Welcome to the Like a Dance Boss podcast. My name's Jess, and each episode I'll be interviewing a dance studio owner from around Australia. Tune in to find out their tips and tricks, the secrets to their success, and how they cope with the daily stresses of running a dance studio. Please also check out my website, likeadanceboss.com.au, for everything that you need to run a dance studio. Here you can find checklists, templates, articles, and lots of things to make your life easier when running a dance studio day to day. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for having a chat with me. Can we just start with you introducing yourself and your studio? Sure. So my name is Kim Factor and I run Kim Factor School of Dance in Elsterwick. Great. So for those who don't really know Melbourne, we would say, like, would it be 20 minutes from the city centre? Yeah, yep. Probably about 15, 20 minute drive. So not far. Yeah. But to me, it's a pretty like inner city suburb still. Like it, it very much feels like you're still in the city and you've got trams going by. Yeah, yeah. We're on a main road. So there's trams like every five minutes coming down. We've got trains five minutes walk down the road. Yeah. So very central. And very accessible. Do you have car parking for your studio too? Or would you rely more on public transport? No. So that is one of our big downers about where we are is that we don't have any car car spots Um, like we've got a tiny one out the back but it is basically impossible to get in there so um we have to park on the main road or side side roads and it's two hour parks or not even that amount of time so we're constantly having to move our cars which is really annoying yeah because like in my area you can find um you know studio spaces with car parks but I feel like it would be amazing if kids could get the tram after school and then just yeah, in front of the studio where my students can't do that. They can get a train or a bus. Yeah, we've got quite a few. They get the train down from school, which is great. You know, it gives them that sense of independence and, yeah. you know, they come in from the train and walk down and come into the studio. Um, a lot of our kids all go to like a similar school. So they all go on the bus from the school to the studio. Um, it's a school bus, but they all get dropped at the bus stop and then walk down and it's like a five minute walk. So yeah. they all That's come down idea. together. Um, and what, what's your story? Who were you before you had the studio, before you were Kim Factor School of Dance? Um, okay, so I was, I, um, I was at the National Theatre for a year. Mm-hmm. I did my full-time training there. And then I went on to Deakin University and did a double degree in dance and health sciences and arts. Um, during that time, I also did my RAD teacher certificate. So I kind of knew by the end of year 12 and at that year of national that I wanted to go in the teaching way rather than the dancing way. Um, Basically I was told I was too short to be a dancer. So (laughs) I never even ventured down that way. It was kind of a, you know, this is, this is not going to be your path. So I looked into teaching from, from about the age of 18. I knew, yep, this is what I want to do. I was actually into another uni degree. I was into doing speech pathology and Mm -hmm. during my year at full time, I just said, no, don't want to do that dancing is what I want to do so went down the teaching pathway and didn't look back really so yeah so how long did you teach for before you opened a studio so I taught from that year that I was at national I started teaching at the national theater and then I was offered a job from Rachel at theater do I dance and I worked for her for about 10 years or so maybe about six or about eight to ten years and then during that time that I worked for her I worked at a few other schools as well um, and that is when I just randomly got a call from 
a random person that I didn't even know of. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I'm looking for a dance class. She was a religious Jewish girl and couldn't attend classes anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So she, um, yeah, she called me and she said, I, I can't attend classes. I really want to dance. Could you run a dance class for me and a couple of my friends? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm, I teach every afternoon though. So it would have to be on a Sunday or at another time slot. And the only yeah. time slot we could think of was 7 a.m. on a Friday morning. So oh, <laughs> that, was, um, that was the start of everything really. Um, we found a garage a lady who ran a Pilates studio in her garage and I started a class for four very religious students in, in her mm-hmm. garage and Friday, 7am and that was that was it. That was the real start of it all. That's such an interesting story. Yeah. So, um, okay, so tell me more about this phone call. So did yes. they get your number from someone? Yeah, well, know, it ended up being a, a, a cousin of a cousin, so very distant relative, but I'd never, ever heard of her ever. And she was like, my name's Ellie. I've heard you're a dance teacher. Um, I'm religious. I can't attend classes anywhere else, but I really want to dance. What can you do for us? Yeah. And she was an adult um, looking for adult classes? Yeah. Oh, she was probably about year 10 at the time. Oh, okay. I yeah. never danced. Like just, I think she'd taken up one class at another studio, but realized very quickly that she couldn't participate in anything because she was religious. So yeah wanted something completely new and different. Yeah, amazing. And so what's the main hurdle for um, someone when they are religious that um, stops them from or prevents them from being able to participate in what we would say the other school? Yeah, so basically (laughs) the main thing is is that they can't dance in front of men. Yeah. So they have to have female-only audiences. Yeah. Everything that they do and they're dress code is has to be yeah. very um conservative so long sleeve tops um skirts below the knees everything fully covered yeah so in terms of costuming and audiences it's like that's just you know it has to be different from what i normally do yeah no, so i basically had this group of four and then we did like a little end of year you know we were doing that one class a week early morning yeah. and did a tiny little showing to maybe, you know, their mums and grandmothers in this garage. And yeah, then the next day we got another call. I got another call saying, I've got another four girls, you know, younger eight-year-olds. They want to dance too. Can we come to the garage and do a class? Yeah. (laughs) It all started like it was this tiny little garage and the woman who owned the garage is actually like still teaching for me now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's unbelievable. She's been with me the whole way through. Yep. And really taught me a lot because I'm Jewish, but I never went to a religious school. I went to a Jewish school, but not a religious school. So I didn't really know much about the very religious community. Yeah. I had to learn fast when I was working with them what yeah. I couldn't do, the music I couldn't use, because a lot of the music as well, the yeah. very ultra-religious can't listen to normal music. So it has to be all instrumental. And yeah. I just had to really learn quickly what I couldn't and could do. Yeah. And were you teaching ballet or other styles? Yeah. So I was teaching ballet to another group. So then in the second year of running, I had a couple of groups running. Mm-hmm. Um, a few girls left their ballet school that they were at when they heard that I had started uh-huh. because they needed that more religious conservative um, atmosphere. So yeah. they came to me instead and they were doing grade seven already at the time. So I was, I took over that and then a group of contemporary girls, no jazz or anything like that. It was just ballet yeah. contemporary. 
So was your brain just like ticking nonstop when you started this? Like, oh my yeah. gosh, there's a whole community of people yes, that dance, but I can teach them and I can make this happen. Yeah, well, I realized very quickly. So Wendy was a lady who too had the garage and she was like, there is such a niche in the market here. This community don't have a place to dance. They don't have anywhere to, to express themselves. And, you know, this could really be your thing. And yeah. I'd never, ever thought, you know, of this, like I knew I wanted to eventually open a dance school, but at that time I was so busy working for Rach and working, I was at Krista Cameron and I was a few other places and yeah. it just wasn't in my, um, you know, short head, short mindset at that time, you know, mm -hmm. in my short term goals, I just thought that this isn't going to happen right now, but it just yeah. came to me. So I was like, I've really got to look into this and yeah. see that, yeah, this is a real, this, this community needs it. So yeah. And how old were you? Like, or, or what year was this? That so this started? was uh, 2007. So 30. Oh, same ago. as me. That's when I opened my yeah. school. Yeah. I don't know how old that made me, but. <laughs> I was 19. I remember that because I was like, you know, technically still a teenager starting a business, which seemed yeah. amazing at the time. But in hindsight, I'm like, what was I thinking? I know. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. I had no business experience whatsoever. I hadn't done a business course. Hadn't, you know, the money side of things was a joke because I used to um, not get money. I used to just not really charge anyone. And, yep. you know, every few weeks it was like, oh, classes are $10 and give me your money if you have it. But you know, <laughs> don't worry about it. It was a different time. Like you, you didn't need to know what you know now. And I was the same. I had a cash box and everyone just brought their cash. Yeah, you know. exactly what I did. I popped it in the little tin and gave them a handwritten receipt. It was exactly. very simple. Yep, same. I used to just hand out invoices that just said Kim Factor Dance and yep. you have five lessons owing. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's that's it. There was no there was no books, there was no, you know, nothing, just a bit of cash and that So was when it. did you like decide on the business name and kind of formalize it as a business? Did you do that straight away or was it after you started classes? Yeah, I think once I'd started that first year of seven AM classes, I was like, you know, I'm gonna take this to the next, well, the next year started. And that's when I had about three classes running. And I thought, okay, I probably should set up proper invoices and probably should have a name here. Um, Kim Factor was my maiden name. Now I'm married, but that was my maiden name. And I thought I'll just do that school of dance. So it didn't really, I didn't really yeah. think too much about it. Um, now looking back, probably naming a school after your name is not the best idea, but. <laughs> it was the thing to do. Every it school. It was the thing to do. Yeah. That's it. I, I think. schools, yeah. I think you're very clever in having a, you know, a name. A non-jest name. Yes, definitely. Because now everyone just knows me as Kim Factor and not Kim Reavers. So it's kind of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, and School of Dance was just, just came to me. So yeah. um, I'm not performing arts. I wasn't anything else. I was just dancing at the time. So. Yeah. And then it just stuck. I think it just didn't even occur to me to change the name after that. Well, you've built a brand around the name now, so it is hard to change it. Like you could change it and it could bring you, um, you know, new positive things, but also you could change it and then it could work against you and, you know, people are looking for Kim Factor School and it doesn't exist That's anymore. right. Yeah. A few years ago, we were looking at rebranding, you know, because I had my twins and kids came along and it was like, oh, you know, maybe I should rebrand in the thought maybe of selling the school down the track, but yeah. it didn't happen and now we're kind of past that thought so, so you had kids and then thought I better sell it instead of yeah. them growing up and taking it over 
I thought about that. Maybe if I sell it when Eve's like 15, yeah. there's no way that she can take it over and then get stuck doing Absolutely. it. The of her life. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so yeah, how long were you in the garage for before you then? We were there for a while. We were there, I think for about three years. And then we moved over to another community hall, which yeah. was just like down the hall in East St Kilda. And we were in that community hall probably for another couple of years and then started with the church halls as well. Yeah. Um, and that just got a bit crazy. It was a bit hectic. I had like staff running to one hall and, you know, forgetting their yeah. keys and then I have to go to the other hall. And it just got messy. It got really messy after a while. And we were about at this point, maybe four or five years in. Yeah. And, um, we started looking for our own premises, but this area was just impossible to find something. So it took us probably about five years to find this place that we're in now. Yeah. Um, it was, it was really hard. We looked at places, got knocked, knocked back, looked again, got close, got knocked back. So eventually finding this place now, and it's not definitely not perfect. It's very long and narrow, our studios. And yeah. um, it's been great up until now. And then actually at the start of this year, I started looking again yeah and then COVID hit and yeah <laughs> that plan <laughs> so yeah your area there's not really an industrial estate where most people would go to set up their dance school so you're looking for what like older kind of warehouse shop yeah. type type buildings that's what ideally we would love is a warehouse but this area is so expensive and mm. there is just basically no warehouses to come by like, yeah. yeah, it's just very, very hard to find something like that. That is really tricky because there's a lot of dance schools in the area and you all have so many students. Like there's a need for the spaces, but they just yeah. don't exist. It's like Absolutely. there's nowhere to go. No. And if you do find a warehouse, it's like down some dodgy road and, you know, that's that's really not not kid-friendly. And yeah. um, so I looked at quite a few of those and I was like, I just can't can't do that. So, yeah. Yeah, there was... There so was you feel that you've outgrown your, your current premises and that's why you're looking elsewhere? Definitely, yeah. So we've got three studios and one of our studios is a great size. Um, the middle studio is okay, but our small studio is just absolutely tiny. It's just way too small to run. You can have maybe six or seven students in there and that's it. Oh, okay, so yeah. It's really small. And then even our main studio is just very long and narrow. So it's like fine for you know, day-to-day -day classes, but when you're preparing for big comps and you've got 20 kids in a comp, it's really hard to, to yeah. really organise everyone and, yeah, so. And are you able fine. to have other space? Like, is there a change room and an office or anything like that or it's just more studio space? No, we just, we don't even have, we've got a very tiny reception area. Yeah. And two bathrooms at the very back of the building. So, like, it's been, it was amazing when we found it and it got us through you know, building the school to what it is now. And yeah, now we're really hoping to expand. But then again, I mean, I had a third child and <laughs> I kind of put the plans of making the school bigger, you know, I put them on hold for a little bit. Yeah. I had my third. and Which yeah. I wanted to ask you about. So you were running a dance school and I'm assuming you were probably working, you know, six or seven days a week and then you yes. find out you're pregnant. So that's yes. fine. You can deal with that. Yes. But then you find out you're having <laughs> twins. Yes. So did you just like pick up the school keys and yes. just throw them? Oh my goodness. It was like the biggest whirlwind. It was like, you know, we were married and, you know, yeah. the school was amazing and I was teaching seven days a week and really working, working really hard to build it up at this point yeah. in time. And yeah, we were wanting to start a family, but twins was like a total 
total whirlwind for us and completely <laughs> unexpected. So, um, yeah. yeah, we found out we're having twins. And I guess the news, the, the, the first three months I was really, really sick. So I was barely in the studio at that time. And one of my teachers, she just basically stepped in for me and told yeah. everyone, ah, oh, Kim's just got repeating gastro and, you know, the gastro just keeps coming back. And <laughs> her stomach's just not right. She can't make it in. So yeah. I, people started to suspect it, obviously. But, yeah. Um, yeah, she was amazing. She just really stepped in at that time. And then once the news was out that I was having twins, I guess it was everyone was excited. But at the same time, I did lose quite a few of my, like, really ongoing students that I had from the very start because... Yeah you know, when they're used to having me the whole time and then that change hit of having other teachers, some yep. people just couldn't deal with it. And it was really hard initially to take that on and I had to just go with it after that and say, yeah, the interesting thing is with that is that if students find that they're not enjoying different teachers and want you, if they leave your school, mm. they're still not going to have you. So they're still going to have to pursue. So we actually found quite a few teachers. of them coming back after a while, which uh -huh. was quite amazing you know I think that they left thinking that the change wasn't good but then realized that the school was still going on some some people thought maybe I would stop the school and yeah you know like it would just or take a different venture seeing as though I wasn't in control anymore but yeah it still stayed the same school so yeah so during your pregnancy you had this teacher that you mentioned they kind of stepped up to look after the school what was your plan for when you had the twins like did you plan to take a certain period of time off or? yeah so it was actually amazing she just really slid into my role and mm -hmm. by the time the twins came along she was acting principal so yeah um she stood into my role and for that whole year she was I basically didn't have much to do with the school at all and she looked after it and grew it and yeah really did an amazing job and how did you go watching from afar like obviously you were happy because you were home with twins trying to stay yeah. alive and get some sleep but was it hard to watch someone else direct your school? Yeah, like, I think the first six months. You might not make? Absolutely. The first six months I was so like sleep deprived with the twins. Yeah. <laughs> Everything in life was a blur. It was just, I remember the concert was um, six weeks after the twins were born and I had the two little bassinets backstage and I'm trying to, you know, feed the twins and then come on stage just for my appearance and yeah. go back to the twins. And it was just like, everything was crazy. Um, I don't even remember that concert at all. If you ask me what the theme was, I have no idea. It was just such such a blare. Yeah. <laughs> but then I think once we started to get in a routine with the with the twins and started to figure my way back through the studio, then it was amazing yeah. to get back on board. Yeah, that's good. And did you end up going back to how much work you used to do before you had the twins, or you've you've stayed you've yeah. stayed a little distant? It's a little, a little, a lot distant. It's, um, uh -huh. yeah, I think now I've always had a full-time manager of the school yeah. because it just can't ever get back to that way for me of what it was yeah. beforehand. And, you know, and then a third child came along and even more so just to run the school was just really challenging. So yeah. Lucky um, she wasn't a twin as well. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, <laughs> if I would have coped, um, she was actually really easy. I think, I think that I jumped straight back in after her, you know, it was two weeks later and I was back in the studio and I think it was a lot easier second or third time round because yeah. you kind of knew what to expect and being one baby and not two, it was quite an easy 
and absolutely eat. I can imagine oh my gosh yeah. after having two doing everything twice everything it was just like the I remember the first week's with Gemma of the third I was like oh my gosh this is so easy and yeah beads are half as long and you just yeah get back to things a lot quicker yeah and now they're dancing my girls yeah um kind of <laughs> A bit. I think the little one is actually more into it than the twins are. But, um, yeah, one of the twins is definitely, she likes it, but she's more of a freelance dancer. It's hard mm -hmm. to get her to do anything um, with structure. Yeah. And the other one, I think, will be more into sports. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. It's yeah. nice to have a variety of hobbies, like as a mum to yeah, I think it's know, really enjoy different things. not to push them, you know, and they've got to just find their own, find their own feet and do what they want to do. Yeah. Very good. And with advertising for the school, you know, I was going to ask you if whatever you did initially to attract students is what you do now. Um, are you still kind of aiming at that niche market market of those students who perhaps can't dance at other schools because of their religious um, yeah. and, and values? So we didn't even have to do any advertising, which I was really lucky with. Um, the the market was there and the kids came to me so yeah um you know it just built from that and now we're at the stage that we've got kids coming from everywhere but i still have that um community as a priority so yeah um i still run sunday only class like sunday classes for them classes yeah. with females only because a lot of them can't dance in front of men so they can't have boys in their class um we still do a ladies only performance at the end of the year so i still really make sure that i I respect their community because that's where the school started. So yeah, um, I do love that side that's never really shown. But yeah, it, it did grow from that. And now we've got students obviously that can dance. Yeah. And it makes me feel so sad that for so long, a lot of um, children in that area didn't feel that there was yeah. a place for them to dance. That's, that's heartbreaking. Right. Yeah, there really was nothing. So it was such an outlet for them. And I think yeah. it really, you know, it, it, it was so, so good for them. And, you know, they are still coming and we are still getting new, new dancers coming from that community, which is just really lovely. And I mean, they, they basically, they start from nowhere. So, you know, doing exams for them is not really an option or yeah. they don't do competitions, but it's, it's just about them being able to express themselves. And it just yeah. comes back to what dance is about. Which is and so coming from a ballet background is your school, ballet focused is that the main focus of the school or yeah so I still like to prioritize our RAD that's um yep. that's my forte that's what I love to teach mm -hmm. but obviously now being I guess a comp school not that I like to <laughs> call ourselves that but oh, no she did a lot of our kids are just obsessed <laughs> with the comps and as much as I don't for me it's not about that but they yep. do love their lyrical and acro yep. and all the rest of it so <laughs> As kids do, they see everything on TV, they see everything on social media, and of course, they're such go getters. They just they want are, they just and once they get a feel for it, they just want more and more. So, yeah. we do have to offer it, and you know, I just very I have to be um, very headstrong with those comp kids and um, do what I think is right and not what yeah. they think is right. So, I think yeah. that's yeah, really important, very important. Mm -hmm. And generally, how many students and staff would you say? you have like do you have a consistent um you know yeah. amount of enrollments each year now or? yeah so we're normally sitting at about between 450 to 500 and we started off this year before COVID hit we were at 480 mm -hmm. and um now and it's now. About, now it's about uh, I don't know it's about 150 or one 
you know, drop to about 20%, which is just really... Yeah, look, I'm very similar in numbers. Oh, really? So I am hoping um, that obviously a lot of kids will come back mm-hmm. that were in our initial, you know, 460, I think we had when we yeah. closed. Um, and I think a lot will. Um, I know that online wasn't for everyone. So, no. you know, just because we have 130 kids online, I don't think that represents how many kids are. No, I mean, everyone has just said, we will come back when you go back face-to-face, you know. Yeah. There really has been not many, I'm not coming back full stops. I don't yeah. know if there's been any of that. It's just a matter of if they can afford it when they when they can come back or yeah. if they feel comfortable to come back. And I guess that's just going to take time to build it back up to that. Absolutely. So what do you think the biggest um, challenge will be for us studio owners when we reopen? Because I know at the moment there's so much focus on let me open, but I'm actually really nervous about the process of opening. Absolutely. So it's just going to be making making people feel safe, I think is the number one um, priority here. And I've, I mean, I feel anxious for my kids coming back to a studio, you know, and I'm a dance studio owner. I think it's a matter of, you know, we've all got such anxieties now from, from this year and even just letting our kids see other kids or go to the playground and, and do all of that. It's just a matter of, of trusting and saying, you know, they've got a COVID safe plan, um, show that plan to everyone, make them feel safe and comfortable, do whatever we can to, to protect the, the kids when they come in. Yeah. I think that's top priority and and obviously having um, the processes and policies in place to make sure everyone's safe. Like, have you got your um, thermometer ready? Did you already do social distancing stickers? Like what what type of stuff you did? did We have our social distancing stickers and um, we were like laying them down that day. (laughs) We were told that the studio can't open again. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, we stopped. So I don't even know where the stickers are. I think we've probably got half of them down at the studio. I think we did actually. I remember just going in that day and just literally banging our heads against the yeah. wall saying, what are we doing? Why are we closing again? So, you know, I was in a staff meeting. Like I'd called all my staff into the uh-huh. studio for the first time in months. No. Like March, April, June, July. In four months, we hadn't seen each other. We were all sitting in the studio and I was like, trying to say like this is how we're going to do it these are the new processes this is the protocol for this but everyone was a bit like is it really worth talking about this because we have a feeling that the announcement's going to be that you're like not opening and you're probably like no we are we're opening this i was the opposite i was like oh i feel the same like i just had a feeling in my stomach that we weren't opening and i'd spent so much time and energy and money you know, know, getting everything ready and making sure the kids would feel great, even though, you know, mum or dad couldn't come in with them. Like we had these fun Absolutely. signs and yeah. yeah, it was just so deflating. Was deflating. It was just, oh my gosh, that day was probably the hardest day out of that whole corona, yeah. corona experience. You know, I had my bad privates that day and we had mm. like, you know, one kid coming in at a time doing their privates and every mother that came in, was just like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I don't know because I've got a really bad feeling about this. Yeah. And they're like, oh, don't worry, it will be fine. And yeah, then we got told that so, we just didn't open again. So yeah, no idea what the studio looks like. It's going to be a matter of going in there. And yeah. In. yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, I'm just hoping that the roof hasn't caved in or there's yeah. a flood or there's probably like mice running around. I know. That's I don't know. Well, I was like, I feel like I should just go in there just to check that it's like 
still okay and they're not smelling or I don't know what could yeah. be but we left it in such a clean state like there was not one droplet of food there was like mm. Glen 20 sprayed around every single studio so it should be okay but who knows? yeah who knows and what what are you doing during the clothes closed times have you been doing Zoom for just all the kids that want to stay on for Zoom or was it compulsory for some kids, like your exam kids? Or? Yeah, so originally we did um, Zoom plus pre-recorded videos as well. Yeah. Um, that was for term two, I think, or whatever term it was first that we started. <laughs> term two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was okay. The Zoom took off a lot better than the pre-recorded. The pre-recorded, we got the feedback saying from parents that the kids weren't doing it and they weren't feeling motivated and they never had that connection. So, yeah. uh, but it was all optional. We never made any classes, even for RAD kids, we never made it compulsory. So yeah. we just said, you know, here it is for you if you want to do it, if you don't, we understand. Yeah. Um, and then the actual from term two to term three was great. The numbers stayed exactly where they were. So all the kids that were doing term two all continued into term three. Yeah. But we got rid of the pre-recorded and just did everything on Zoom, which was much better. Yeah. And a lot less work from our behalf. Yeah, well. I found that too. Yeah. The pre-recorded was just, it, it was such hard work. I think it's what we wanted initially. I think that a lot of parents were overwhelmed with the thought of being at home or yes. you know, trying to get the kids um, to sign on at a certain time. So I think they liked the idea of pre-recorded because they can do it when it suits when them. Yes. Um, and it's sitting there ready. But I guess, you know, after the novelty wears off, it's hard to find the email, find the link, put That's it on, motivate yourself yeah. to do it. And for the teachers and myself, it was a lot of work, like a lot of recording, work. editing, condensing files. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, making that time to go into the studio and, and film it and then getting one other person in because I think we're only allowed like two people in yeah. a time and you know one person had to film and the other person had to do it and it was just yeah it was really hard so by the time we switched over to zoom it was just a lot easier and I think everyone was more comfortable with zoom as well in terms yeah. of so yeah because they've done stuff like that with school now too yes so, yeah and I think maybe parents and kids didn't realize well, us two as teachers, we didn't realise how much we would miss that connection. We were like, oh, you just need the content. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you realise, oh, no, actually you want to like see that. I'm so excited when they come on Zoom because yeah. you let that first five minutes be just chatter and, you know, finding out how the kids are feeling and asking them about how their school days are going. And I think yeah. they really do. They, they like that and they appreciated that. So Yeah. And what's yeah. your plan for term four? Are you doing the same thing? So term four, we're going to do the, in blocks. So we're going to do the first four weeks on Zoom. I have no idea after that. <laughs> um, you sounded so confident. You're like, <laughs> I did this and this and this. But then you term four, first four weeks is done. After the first four weeks depends on what he says on Sunday. I don't know if he's going to let us go in any earlier on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I'm still thinking it's going to be November 23rd. I think that's in all of our minds is that. Yeah, November 23rd will be when we can go back in. So then it'll be another four weeks in Zoom. Yeah. We are hoping to film some kind of a concert. I don't know what that will entail, but um, whether it will just be a recording on the kids on Zoom or whether we yeah. will be back in the studio and we film content in the studio, we're not sure yeah. yet it's going to take us. It's just so hard to plan. That's, you know, what makes it so hard for us as studio owners, I think, because there's just so many aspects of the business that we are 
um, trying to plan, but can't. We can't plan financially. We can't plan no, the kids, all. the parents, the staff. Like there's no one that we can. I mean, we sent out our email and, and we had so many parents actually misunderstanding saying, uh, is this on Zoom or is this, in, is this going to be face-to-face? Yeah. And we're like, no, 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 nothing is face-to-face yet. You know, and I think people are just really starting to get frustrated with the fact that we can't be yep. face-to-face yet, but it's not in our hands, obviously. So. No. And it will be even more confusing during term four because some activities and some schooling is going to go back. Exactly it. And um, then when school goes back, then we get more emails saying, well, school's back, so dancing back. But yeah. you know, we just have to explain that, no, it's not yet. And as soon as we get the go-ahead, we will be, but yeah. we don't know that yet. Yeah. And we don't even know once we get the go-ahead what we'll be allowed to do. Like, we don't know the restrictions. So, you know, mm-hmm. do I plan a timetable for 20 kids in a class, 10 kids in a class? Exactly. I think we have just decided now to only use one studio when we go back because mm-hmm. our middle studio doesn't have any windows and I'm not sure, yeah. I don't know where I heard, but that there is restriction in terms of ventilation. So we've yeah. kind of scrapped the middle studio. And I was I'm- just thinking that um, this week about my studio setup. It must be similar to yours where, yeah, our back studio has yes. doors to outside yeah. and yeah. then the other door, the other door, the other studio, you know, is quite close to the outside yes. door, but that middle one's the middle always one. like trapped. Yeah, it's really awkward in that middle one, and you always do feel yeah. a bit not claustrophobic because it's a decent sized room, but you always feel a bit stuck between the two studios. So yeah. we've kind of said yep. just from now, even before we know what the restrictions are, we've said let's just do one studio, the back studio to begin yep. with, and then we're safe. You know, yep. then we don't have to take out things. Yeah. once it's already been set so well that's true like like it it's not really about the restrictions like you and I have said before you've got to do what you feel comfortable with and as a teacher and as a studio owner and as a mum like what do you feel other mums will feel comfortable with and exactly you know there's no point just because the restrictions say we can have 20 in a class you know if we don't feel comfortable having 60 uh-huh. kids in the building then yeah, yeah, and I think I think when we were going to start back, you know, we were going to stick to our original timetable. And now yeah. looking back, I just don't know how it would have worked. Like, you know, I think it would have been really hard to keep that flow of kids down to a bare minimum when, yeah. you know, it, it, it was just going to be a mess, really. So it's kind of a kind of good in a way that we're going to just start off really small this time around, and yeah, hopefully next year it can go back to normal. But so will you cut down the classes that are available to the kids or is it just the Zoom kids that yeah. will be coming in? Or? So we're going to, what we're hoping to do is keep the Zoom timetable and put that into the studio. So, yep. which is such a small timetable compared to normal, you know, it's really like not even a quarter of the classes that we normally offer. But um, yep. I think that will work when we go back. So, and then if there are any Zoom classes that have over a specific amount of students, then we can have an overflow to the, smaller room that has windows so yeah um, I think that's that's, perfect yeah yeah that's I think that's what we're working towards but who knows (laughs) I have two questions for you things that I've been thinking about yes um will you continue with zoom once you reopen like obviously we need to be very strict and if a school has the case of covid um you know and other students go to that school and we don't allow them to come to class, will you also have a virtual option or? I think we're going to have to because our schools, so we're going back to the community, we have, you know, most of our kids are from the same schools. Mm -hmm. So um, if we, if there is a case in a local school close by, and then we say all those students who go to that school are not allowed to come to class, 
there's like a majority of the class missing, you yeah. know, like I think it's going to be really hard to determine who comes to class and who doesn't because they all kind of go to the same schools. Yeah. So we will definitely, I think, still have a Zoom option for when, yeah. for if that happens. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, you know, do we offer a virtual option that's separate to the class or does the teacher try and do, you know, Zoom and teach the class at the same time so that if two yeah. kids are away, they're at home and can access it? I think it would always need to be a separate class. I think, I think so, yeah. to put the teacher in control of face-to-face, -face, monitoring social distancing and having a screen on her trying to keep trying to do a Zoom while kids are there would be really challenging. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I, no, I would go to I've been thinking of things and, you know, processing thoughts. And I'm like, I'm going to ask him that. And my other question is yeah. um, preschool props is what I've been thinking about. You know, we obviously took away all the shared equipment and shared props. Do you do preschool classes without props? Yeah. Do you get them to bring their own props and hope that they don't swap teddies mid-class? We just absolutely scrapped all props when we when we were allowed back in the studio and we did think we were going to start. We literally put everything away. Yeah. Got rid of every teddy bear, got rid of every wand. I've got half of them in my house now. Like, <laughs> just, you know, kept them away from studio space and yep. said absolutely no props. And then we thought of the idea of setting up a little bag for each kid to take yep. home and bring them back. But that's actually not that safe as well because they could land yep. up with someone else's wand in their bag and put that in their mouth. And yeah, it's just too risky. And also, you know, kids are kids and parents are busy. And I, I don't know if they'll bring the prop bag absolutely. each and every week. And that will just so, make a kid devastated if they don't have their prop. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being that one kid. I know. And that would be my kids because I would <laughs> get it for my kids. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's just imagine that you just teachers have to be creative and yeah. use music to direct them instead of props. Yeah. You know, and be creative with their music choices and, and ideas instead of actual handheld objects. Yeah. And do you have acro classes? Like, were you going to continue them without equipment as well? Or? No. So we actually, when we were going to go back, we made our timetable without any acro. Yeah. Um, I just think that's a high risk activity. And I think teachers need to spot. And yeah. it's just, for me personally, I don't find it. I find it scary watching acro tricks without a teacher spotting them. So I wouldn't want to be that child or that parent. Yeah. Not having that teacher security right next to right next to the kid yeah yeah so we're taking that out as well yeah we, we did the same I feel like every time I ask you a question you have the same answer as me <laughs> <laughs> same vibes I feel like you're like hey Jess what are you doing about this so I'm like yeah, yeah this is what I'm doing and then you're like yeah. Oh, yeah, you great yeah no the acro thing was really yeah I remember talking about that and saying yeah great I'm glad that there was another school out there doing feeling the same way as what we're yeah. doing I up. just, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable. I know how much they sweat and, you know, even dribble coming out of their mouth or really? even worse, not flying out of their nose. Oh, and like that happens. It, it happens. does happen. <laughs> the mat's just covered and I didn't feel comfortable, you know, spraying it with Glen 20 all the time. I didn't feel that it would ever be clean. No. You know, we once had a teacher who got hit in the face by spotting a child and that was even with spotting, but it was such a contact yeah. thing that you know like it just but that child needed the help you know she had no yeah. idea what she was doing and then to think that okay you can go back into an acro class and having a child do something yeah. that they're not comfortable with but having the teacher stand away yeah you know it's yeah, just it's, so that's dangerous. a bit scary yeah 
I think, yeah, the only way around it is to try and offer like a acro strengthening class for dancers, which we're kind of trialing online mm. next term. Um, just because I know a lot of kids feel like they've lost strength when they try and do their skills at home or in the backyard. But, yeah. um, you know, it's effectively going to be similar to a technique um, class for jazz yeah. or a conditioning class. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah, it just needs a little bit more focus on. Yeah, yeah we've been doing and, like strength classes for our trip. Yeah. You know, like every Sunday they have small group sessions and um, and they do their fitness and strength with that. And I think that's just got them through fitness-wise but in terms of strength I think it will be hard for them to get it back yeah and what are your plans for 2021 are you like it's going to be my biggest best year yet or you just want to get things let's all go to Hawaii and run away (laughs) (laughs) sell the school see you later go somewhere hot and yeah um look all we can do is hope that things will get back to normal I think at this stage Trying to even plan the timetable is really hard. Trying to say, mm-hmm. yep, we're going to make the timetable all as what it was. And who knows? I really hope that Corona will go away and we yeah. can have a great, you know, back to normal dance year next year. And I think it's going to take a long time to build up the school from where we left off from. You know, kids were looking great and really working hard on their exam work and their comp work. And I think not only physically, but mentally, I think it's going to take yeah. a while just to build that back up with the students and especially yeah. the older students that have been really affected by this. I think it's going to need a bit of TLC there. Yeah. And what's happening with your exams? I saw you um, writing with a few other studio owners that do RAD. You were all having a bit of a chat about exams. So what's, what's the situation? I still don't really know. I've got like one or two groups that are very keen and the rest are all just over it. Yeah, I think to keep going with the RAD work into term four is really hard if you've got a group of kids that are just over it. Yeah. So, so they'll just um, like delay their um, exam and take this year's exam next year? or Yeah, I think we'll probably move up like the, the younger grade. And I think they'll go up to the next grade, but I don't yep. know. They probably won't do an actual exam next year because they've missed out on a whole year of technique. So we might just do a year of internals next year or... Yeah. Um, the RAD or something called class award. So you send them in, but they don't get an actual result, yeah. like a score as such. Yeah. So I think we'll be looking at a lot of those next year. Yeah, that's true. We have um, them for Shaketi as well, like a progress oh, exam. Have you, are your kids doing internals or like on Zoom? Well, we booked exams for term four, which oh, obviously awesome. won't be going ahead at this stage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my ballet teacher is all over it. She teaches basically every exam grade that we have um, which is great because she she knows exactly where every kid is where their progress is how they're going on zoom in comparison to how they were going you know face to face obviously she knew who was going to be ready for the exam before we closed up and that may have changed since we've been on zoom but you know, I think she's pretty keen to keep the kids progressing and moving up to the next level. And I think parents and students will probably be on the same page that, you know, yeah. that piece of paper to say that they did one particular grade may not be as important Absolutely. as moving forward, given the circumstances. I think if they were all to repeat the year that they've done yeah. on Zoom and taken into the studio, I think we would lose them because yeah. they would be just too bored and too over it. Yeah. And Shaketi did say, you know, they're looking at a lot of options. They may be able to run exams early in the year next year as well as later in the yeah. year. So if there's yeah. two sessions, you know, the kids might be able to sneak in grade two and then. Yeah, definitely. Three, so. 
I find though on Zoom, we haven't been doing any of like the larger jumps. So they've actually missed out on learning all those bigger steps. So it might be a bit of a combination of, you know, the old, the old grade and the new grade mixed together to start off with, just so we can have of what they've missed out on. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, Kim, it's 7.35. And no way! Finale is on at 7.30. I bet you my kids are still downstairs. We're going to have to put them to bed so fast and then watch. But thank you for having me.